Better listen very carefully. A good martial artist does not become tense, but ready. Essentially, at this point, the fight is over. So you pretty much flow with the goal. Who is worthy to be trusted with the secret to limitless power? I'm ready. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Bulletproof for BJJ podcast. I'm JT, and I'm here with Joey, the natural Worthington. What's up, guys? King of the natties. Believe it. We're going to talk about a topic which we've touched on before, but we want to go a little bit more in depth, which is learning for BJJ. But the way I want to frame it today is learning BJJ is like learning a language. There is a number of ways that you can learn languages, the way we do BJJ, if we looked at it as if we were trying to learn Portuguese or German or French or anything, like an actual spoken language, the approach is pretty limited. Because let's break this down real quick. The approach to BJJ is limited. Yeah, the, the way people are learning it. Right, It's yeah. like generally if we thought of, oh, hey, come to the, the, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu language course. Now, you're going to go into this room. We have a collection of experts. They're fluent. We have a collection of beginners. We have some people in between. Some people are going to try and help you. Some people are going to try and give you the wrong information. Some people are going to try and mess with you. But we're not going to give you really any instructions in your language. Right, yeah. Just jump in. And you're like, uh, hey, what? How? So it's just immersion. Yeah. Right? And they say that often that's the best way to learn a language. Just get around it, listen to it as much as you can and try to understand it. So there's the immersion approach, sure. And then some people are learning online. You know, you get on, I've done that where I'm either looking at, you know, Duolingo or I'm like looking at a learning app or I'm, I'm listening to stuff and filling out like... Yeah, I used to do little audio tapes. Little audio tapes. You know, you, you do something outside of your class to learn the language, but really there are methods for writing it down, practicing it, conversational, all this stuff. And because people have been learning languages for years and years, there's some better methods than others. Yeah. But at the moment, because jiu-jitsu is still kind of in its infancy, it's just kind of suck it and see. Like, if you don't learn the way we learn, then you're, you know, you're an idiot. Yeah. And so I wanted to talk about, like, why there is this flaw in the way we approach jiu-jitsu. Because both you and I, Joey, we have slightly different approaches. We have learned jiu-jitsu in different ways. Mm-hmm. And you are probably a good example of someone who does really well off the immersion piece. Yeah. Show up and you, you want to just see what's going on, you absorb it and you do it. Yeah. It's like if we recount your first jiu-jitsu class, which I find disgusting, <laughs> then Joey's like, yeah, I just – they did a guillotine on the UFC, so I just – Rear naked. Yeah, rear naked. Took the dude's back, Literally, him out. He Fuck saw season. it on television, didn't get taught it in class. And then just did it to somebody yeah. like straight up, just tapping dudes first class, <laughs> which is just not people's experience of jujitsu. You know, people just show up and get bewildered and bashed and like overwhelmed. So it would speak to your maybe your your fight mm. IQ, as it might be referred to, that you're like you're you're cluey around that. You know what I mean? You got to perhaps like, perhaps I just had a lucky experience, right? Maybe you know, but that puts you on a good track, right? You're like, yeah, I could do this. Yeah, like I know that times when I've had more of a structured approach, mm. I do learn better, right? But it's just not what I'm interested in. Yeah, it's not your natural inclination. Or yeah, interest. my I've always been a little bit lazy in that way. So in that regard, immersion has fit 
my personality or whatever the best. It suited you. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I'm the opposite in terms of – I'm pretty good with monkey see, monkey do. Like I watch, I've got to have a play, like kinesthetic learning. But I will always go away and like write notes, watch video. Like I just – it's the obsessive nature in me to want to get better. And the thing is every time I would talk to someone who's very high level in jujitsu, very rarely could they say to me, oh, don't do that. You should do this. Like, like in terms of any kind of theoretical learning. Right. No one said, oh, yeah, you should keep a journal or you should – the best advice I was given was like record your roles, show me your roles, I'll tell you where you messed up, we'll do some drills, and then you, you repeat that loop. So that's, that's definitely one way I feel – and you usually only see advanced people do that, right, competitors or where they're like, oh, do you mind if we record this role? Unless maybe you know, I've never really had anyone ask that. Unless it's like Kieran Lefebvre just trying to stitch you up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I make some YouTube content. <laughs> I'm just here with Joe. He's a brown belt. Uh, yeah. I'm only a white belt, four stripe. Uh, we're just going to do a roll, real casual. <laughs> people not having a process is probably the reason why it takes people 10 plus years to get a black belt. My question, and I put this out to you, the audience, as well as you, Joseph, could we get better at jiu-jitsu quicker? Could we learn better if we had a better way to approach learning jiu-jitsu? You'd have to say yes. Uh, you know, there's places out there that are doing, uh, as far as I can tell, that are trying to do this already, accelerate that learning process and find more effective ways to teach it. But on the whole, I think it's probably a bit haphazard, yes. Mm. And the thing, like the reason why I've kind of been – uh, obsessed with this because I'm obsessed with learning is I just want to talk about um, theory versus practice. For example, if you've been to uni or college or anything like that, or even like a trade, there will be a, a theory component and then there's the practical. But in jujitsu, there's like, there's no theory component. Yeah. You might be watching a BJJ fanatics thing or you might be on sub meta. And so you're watching videos these days, arguably, there's a little bit more, isn't there? Because yeah. of that sort of the sharing of information. Yes. But yeah, typically and definitely for any of the older generation like us, there's never a theoretical side to it. No, and, and I've definitely looked at very strangely to have a journal and like write in a journal. Right. But if you think about any other pursuit, whether you're learning a language, you're just organizing your life, your business, yep. you've got a diary, right? I mean, it might be in your phone, but like – you try to organize your knowledge. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu is such a huge body of knowledge. That's the thing that's crazy to me. I actually think it's one of the most flexible because it's, it's still developing. There'll be new moves all the time. Someone will do a new thing and you're like, whoa, how did that happen? But it seems to me that no one is actually trying to document or isolate and map jiu-jitsu theory. That's kind of what I'm saying. Right. So, in, in its totality. Yeah. Like there's this world over here, which is worm guard. And here's how that maps. So you may have seen like, um, uh, like my, mind mapping. There's actually like a jujitsu mind map where it's, a, I think it's an app where you can actually organize techniques. Yep. So you can go, oh, close guard and these attacks and these sweeps and lead to this, which yeah, leads and, to, yeah. And if you're like more of a visual learner, then maybe that, that works for you. But then for some people, the idea of picking up a pen and writing stuff down on paper for jiu-jitsu just sounds stupid. Like how would that help me get better? It doesn't make any sense. But th this is what I wanted to say. This is just something I, I learned when I went to uni. I was doing education, talking about primacy and recency. Mm. 
that one of the problems with the way we teach jiu-jitsu is usually at the start of class, it's just a bit of shit talk, maybe a few jokes, like who's not here, they should be here, they suck, we rule, awesome. And okay, a bit of a warm-up, whatever that looks like. And you're kind of 20 minutes in or more, half an hour in, before you actually get to the thing. Yep. You know what I mean? And I actually think that what we have come to understand about learning is that people understand what happens at the start, they retain it. What happens in the middle is kind of a blur and then we kind of remember how things finish. Right. This is how we retain information. If the primary technique that you're showing, the stuff you want people to learn, is somewhere in the middle, it's going to get fucking lost. Right. People will not remember that. They'll remember that funny thing that so-and-so said about so-and-so getting the big toe up their asshole and go, oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> and then the thing at the end where they got the arm bar on the buzzer, they don't remember the technique. It's like, oh, why aren't I remembering? This idea of primacy and recency is beginning and end. Right. And this is true in relationships as well. You often remember how did I meet that person and then on what terms did we kind of leave each other. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, without – because I've done this reflecting before. on all my ex-girlfriends. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> what happened in the middle? Ah, it's kind of a blur. Uh, yeah. In terms of remembering, I mean, how do you remember things? Because I think this is what I want to talk to because we, we have different approaches. Uh, I reflect on it afterwards, usually yes. the same day. Yeah. And that's only been, that's something that I've had to try and sort of cultivate in myself. I, I didn't do that a long time ago, but it's probably because I train less now. I need it more. Right. Back in the day, I would be training more frequently, so I'd be showing up again the next day and it's kind of there. Oh, yeah, from last night, whatever. Yeah, so these days I'll reflect on it. I have tried note-taking, but it just doesn't it – doesn't f- I'm just not very disciplined around it for jiu-jitsu. So reflecting on it in my mind seems the best way. And then when I'm on my way to training the next time, I'll kind of review it in my head and then make a decision whether I want to work on that again or focus on something else. But there is that reflection that occurs. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's the thing that a lot of people miss out on. You actually don't learn from experience. Now, that sounds kind of silly, but you learn from reflection on experience. We can go through our whole lives you know, experiencing so many things, but if we don't actually take time to learn from them, you know, like you, we all know those people and you know, I've been that person. We keep making the same mistake and you don't – until someone stops you and goes, hey, that thing you're doing is fucking you up stop doing that thing you know oh shit all right cool and that for me has mainly been feedback from coaches or mentors or peers saying hey man like why are you doing that I'm like i don't know i've just always done that because you just you made it up right yeah and actually repeating your mistakes i believe is one of the biggest limiting factors in jiu-jitsu right and one of the things i always try and encourage any white belt i train with is like just stop doing that if you stop doing that, you're going to make a new mistake, but then you'll learn from that. Yeah. And then you're going to kind of make new mistakes. I think having a mistake that you just keep repeating over and over again, we all know in life this is not the way forward. Yeah, that's kind of a, a hallmark of just stagnation, isn't it? Yeah. In a way, you might be learning some other things, yeah. but you keep doing that same stupid thing. Oh, you keep going to strip club and re- proposing to strippers? That's not <laughs> a good idea, bro. Cut that shit out. Just got to meet the right one. Surely any day now. <laughs> Surely if I pay yeah. enough money, I'll, I'll find the one. Got that flat screen, got the convertible. That's what's up. <laughs> when, I, when I lived in San Diego, we had this guy that lived behind us. Uh, John was his name. I think he was from Jersey or something. Funny Joy-Z. accent. Joy-Z. Yeah, yeah. It was, and he like, has, he was a couple of beers short of a six pack. <laughs> and he just, 
He loved hanging out at the beach, getting his tan on, you know, and he and he was always going on. There was three things John was always going on about. One was his crock pot. Oh, man, you cook anything in this crock pot. It's delicious. I put the potatoes in there, put the, the beef in there. Unbelievable. You got to get yourself one. And then the other two things you're talking about, flat screen TVs and convertibles because that's what the ladies liked. Oh. So his whole thing was like crock pot, convertibles, flat screen when is the torrent of ladies into my house going to begin? Success. He was always solo. Classic guy, John. I hope he's out there, out there still doing the thing. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not saying this because it's like I know better. I am actively working right now, like trying to work out what is a way that will work for me. And, and right now I'm working on a bit of a system of how can I learn better and then does that work for someone else? Because if it only works for me, it's pretty – useless it has to be translatable and i feel that the thing that's you want to coach the thing i want to teach the thing but i want it to be independent enough or easy enough like a framework right that if i gave it to you joe i'd be like i want you to do these five steps repeat that for a couple weeks and at the end of those couple weeks do you feel your jujitsu has gotten better right and if you stuck to that and it worked as a as a, a framework or a method it's like all right well that's cool because then that can be scaled. Yeah. More people can adopt this behavior. And so even if you're, if you're out there and you're someone who's quite technical, um, like uh, as in tech savvy, you code, anything like that, shout out Doug Prince, software engineer. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> he actually doesn't do software engineering. Yeah. But uh, I, I was just like, yeah, you're a tech guy. You can code, right? Duh. Um, there is very specific methods of learning uh, a coding language. Now, I, I had some pretensions to learn how to code. And I was like, holy shit, it's so hard. It's so – you have to be so precise. If you make mistakes in the code, it, it just fucks out. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm not paying enough attention. So what I came to understand there is you, not only do you have to be precise when you are coding, but you have to be quite precise in the way you learn and understand it. And for those of people who are very logical and very focused and very outcomes focused, maybe they're quicker to get it. But here's the thing. You have to have an approach for absorbing that information. It is literally a different language. Now, some people out there, they can speak nine languages. You're like, dang, how's that possible? They're like, oh, I lived in Belgium or I lived in a place and heaps of people went there and I, I just had to hear French and hear Russian and hear German every day. So I picked up words over time and then it, it becomes very easy for them to switch gears. Yeah. But if you haven't been exposed to all these different languages, there's no way that you can come to understand it. And actually, if you want to master a language, and if we think of jujitsu in this context, it, it's really hard. You've got to put in some time. You can't just say the occasional swear word in the language and think you're good at it, <laughs> you know, like, like us with our Portuguese. So talking about the primacy and recency, it's like the beginning and end. One of the hardest things I find is when I come to a class, I might be maybe a bit tired and not paying attention at the start of the class, and then I'm just – just full of adrenaline and totally out the door at the end of the class. And so sometimes a class for me can be a blur. A whole class can be a blur. If I don't record it and look back, <laughs> I smoked everybody. Fast forward the bit of me getting tapped. No, no, no. Ah, there it is. There's my 10-second clip of me almost taking the back but not choking the guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. There's no objective way for you to know because trying to rely on your memory – for how well you did is not inaccurate. Yeah. And actually it's interesting because uh, 
you can talk on this for me, Joe, that uh, at least what I've seen, people in the movement realm, maybe it's accountability, the recording of every set. Like, here's my handstand, here's my squat. It's a feedback mechanism, but then it's also like accountability. Can you, can you yeah, speak to that a little bit? multiple stones there. You know, Instagram content's definitely a big one. Sure. Right? But, but, but separate I think with a lot of online coaching that, you know, has come through the, the movement realm and stuff, you need to submit videos to your coach in yep. order to get feedback and to get approval to progress to the next thing or whatever. Mm. So that creates this habit of like, you know, you, you only record a few videos and, you know, to send off to your coach, but then you look at it and you're like, oh, wow, I can actually see that, oh, my shoulders in a, not an ideal position there, et cetera, et cetera. You s- start to get the, the value instantly of this video feedback. So it becomes a bit of a thing, right? You do it every time. And also you are creating content and all that stuff. Like there's a lot of good stuff going on. But yeah, I don't want to post it. Right. It yeah. doesn't look right. Yeah. So I, I think that that's sort of one of the benefits of that style of training. It also lends itself, doesn't it, to, you know, you're doing one specific movement kind of thing. You, you can capture it. Jiu-jitsu is – definitely would make sense that if you could watch yourself rolling, you're going to learn a lot. But it's also harder to capture the whole thing, isn't it? Like actually. It is, yeah. Like with a static camera when bodies are moving. I mean anytime I've tried to film our rolls or like rolls with Adam or whatever, I'm like – Rolls off screen. Yeah, you're like this – or, you know, it's just like someone's butt in the air kind of covering the whole thing. Can't like, see what's going on. That's right. It's not reflective of all of how you actually experience it in the moment. True. But yeah, I do think that video learning is a great way to go about it. Safe for jujitsu though, if that's not an option where you're like, all right, it's not really appropriate that I'm going to be able to fill my, my roles at the academy, whatever. What's another way that you could go about getting that feedback? I think taking the time to speak directly with your coach or a higher belt if your coach isn't accessible or available for various reasons and getting them to watch the role for you is important. And just asking them to give you... Two, two bits of feedback. One was like, what do you think was like my biggest mistake? And two, what was something that I did well or something I can build off? Because often like just copying negative feedback is just such a downer. Yeah. It's just like, oh God, fuck, I should just quit. Why am I doing this? Like it doesn't, it actually it kind of inhibits your ability to feel positive and learn, you know? So, and this is, this is a hard thing because some people, when they come to jiu-jitsu, they, they maybe they don't quite have the network, they don't quite have the jiu-jitsu friendships yet and it takes a while to build those. Yep. I think if you're in a beginner class or like an intermediate class, instructors usually respond quite well to someone who's proactive. Someone who comes up after class and says, hey, like I realize I'm, I'm not where I should be could I just get a little bit of help? And they might say, hey, we should do a private class or anything like that. But you're building a relationship there. So it's worthwhile to talk directly to that person and say, I want to get better. Could you just do this small thing for me? That would help me. Or they might be that super old school vibe where they're like, quit it with the fucking Superman questions. Get in line. (laughs) Yeah, that's maybe. The the tall poppy is the first one to get chopped. You just get chopped. (laughs) But – Let's 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 put it this way, you know, if they're that kind of Clint Eastwood type cat, you can wear them down. You can just wear them down. Like it, <laughs> it'll me, happen. Tell me. Tell me. <laughs> yeah, because they're also they get tired because they're holding all their baggage. They're holding all their emotional baggage and hatred and resentment, and and they, you can just wear them down easier because they get tired quick. In terms of getting feedback from your training partners, two thoughts I want to share on that. One for me, I'll often have 
you know, now that I'm a, a black belt, people often after all, people go like, oh, can you tell me, like, give me some feedback on that? And sometimes I'm like, nah. Like, I was just worrying about what I was doing. Yeah. You know? I was thinking about you. I'm like, sorry. I got, I, but I'll always come up with something. So there's all my, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm not a, a hyper aware person when I'm rolling, but I'm trying, I've always, I've been trying to cultivate that in recent years. But so it's more selfish. Where it's like, oh, I want to work on this specific thing, sure. right? But so maybe there's a pre-frame there before the roll, like, hey, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, at the end of the roll, I might ask you if you can tell me what I did bad, yeah, perhaps. I, I think it has to come from a higher belt. It can't be, you're like, I'm a white belt well, one stripe. Yeah, no, you're that's- You're a white belt two stripe. That's my second if point, you yeah. you give me feedback, bro. Not all feedback is created equal. No. And don't, yeah, and sort of, and in that regard, like, yeah, of course, like if someone wants to share something with you, it's great, but understand that someone who's a counterpart, who's also pretty early in the journey, or maybe they're a little bit further along than you, but they're, you know, whatever, maybe they're a blue belt or something. Their feedback's not necessarily going to be that valid either. And so you just got to be able to like- Take that on, on board, think, um, understand what it is and then make a decision as to whether that is something you take on or not. Well, the thing I was going to say with this, it helps to have a third party because they're not in the role. So there's no emotional investment. There's no ego. It's just so like, oh, what are these two guys doing? What are these two gals doing? Is it good? Is it not? Oh, they're going all right. Oh, that was a bit crap. And because sometimes you can be so close to getting a finish and then you don't put your hook in or you don't, and then you fall out of position. And even though you've done all this good stuff, all you remember is you ended up in bottom side control and you're getting fucking face smashed. Yeah. Right? So, but it is good when you have someone outside of that going, hey, you were so close. All you had to do is just get that second hook in and it would have been a totally different outcome. And you think, oh, right. Okay, well, maybe I don't suck completely. And, and I, I think it's this idea of trying to bring something objective in. And... Asking your training partner might not be the right person because if I say, hey, Joe, how'd I go rolling you today? You'd be like, bro, you sucked. You don't feel strong at all. <laughs> that choke wasn't on. <laughs> Dang. And I, I would be- tell I you, believe bro. You. I'd always tell you. Nah, maybe. Nah, Joe's good with feedback. He loves to give feedback. Yeah. Um, but not everybody's good at that because I haven't learned – like feedback's a skill. Yeah. And we, we get it from coaching because if someone's lifting weights – and it's our duty of care. They don't break their back. We have to go, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. Take the bar off. Your technique's terrible. Like, let's get it right and then work from there. But jiu-jitsu doesn't really have that component. No, there's Even an, though there's people can get injured, that, that, that slowing down and interrupting of a role, like, hey, stop. What are you doing? That's wrong. Yeah. Fix your technique. That's not there. It's kind of sucking and getting beaten on is a very accepted part of the jiu-jitsu process. But you don't want to stay in that sucking and getting beat down phase forever. Yeah. You've got to you've got to be able to have wins and, and learnings. So what I wanted to say here is that in my own idealistic view, you would have time where you go and watch a video, either of yourself or someone else, and write notes. So Lockie has talked about the flipped schoolroom model where you, you kind of do your learning at home and then you practice at class. So you, you, you are proactive. You come to class with a plan. Right. You come to class with something you're trying to work on. And we've talked about that before. But for some people, that's almost impossible. When you've got a really big, busy life, you haven't got some time to fucking sit and write notes and 
fucking watch Craig Jones sit on someone's head. Like you haven't got time for that. It's true. I mean, I, I do know some people that do it in a very express way. You've kind of touched on this where they, they'll just watch a 15-second Instagram thing. Yeah. You know, in the car before yeah. they get out and head to the gym. And, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't do that. But I, can, I see that work very well for some people. But I suppose the case where that would not be so appropriate is if you are earlier on in the journey mm. and it's like you don't know what you need. Like it's, it's not of benefit for you to be looking at all these wild and wacky techniques and just choosing one as a lucky Whatever's dip. hot. Yeah. Going, that looks cool. I'm going to work on that tonight. You should probably just come in and do the fundamental stuff that hopefully your coach has been trying to keep you on this you know, steady diet of sure. because that's what's going to be of most benefit to you right now. Definitely. Like Lockie's thing would be for more advanced practitioners, I'm guessing. Yeah, definitely. But I think he's trying to get there's I think there's two there's two elements here. He's trying to give people ownership of their jujitsu. Like you need to have made a decision about what you're working on. And then also he's trying to make sure that people are prepared for class. The idea of just showing up, okay, there's value in that. But that is such a fucking overrated statement. Just keep showing up. What, like going to the gym? Yeah, just, just get there. If you walk into the gym and you walk around and you look at the weights, kind of like let it roll across the floor, like it's fucking, yeah, I went to the gym, but you're not doing the work. Fundamental difference though in that example, jiu-jitsu has a, an instructor sure. who is supposed to be guiding your development. Sure. Theoretically. 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 But what, what I'm saying there is like even if we were liking this to a commercial gym and you went to the gym and you're like, I want to get strong. And they're like, we've got a pump class. You can do a billion repetitions. It's all the rage. You burn lots of calories and you're like, shit, I don't know. Seems like there's a lot of ladies in here. I'll join that <laughs> Time to class. get my pump on. Get your pump on. 25 million bicep curls. Like that is actually not the best way to get strong. And even though, like, That's what do you think? <laughs> the hands on. Don't you see the new program about to drop? <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like, if you don't know any better, I'm not. I'm not blaming you for that. But w- what I was going to say with that is, it's it's actually pretty good for you to go. Okay, um, what do I like? I, I like watching the UFC, and I love wrestling. Like, I, I love watching dudes do takedowns and suplexes and stuff. I should go learn how to wrestle. So it's like, all right, go to a place that teaches wrestling and they, they do that and they'll step you that process. Same deal. You're like, yo, what was that crazy submission that guy did with like banana splits, the splatel? What's this crazy? Oh, that guy's 10th planet. Oh, I want to go to 10th planet. I want to learn that system. The, the, the thing I can say, like, which is like credit to 10th planet, they have a system. They have a series of movements. They might have some wacky terminology, but it's very organized. Yeah. One of the biggest problems is if you just go to a random jiu-jitsu gym, it may just be whatever that guy wants to show. Oh, yeah. And that's still very prevalent. You would say that's the majority of classes every day happening around the world are yeah. just like, ah, oh, what are we doing today? Yeah, I'm working on this, guys. You should work on it too because it's good. Yeah. But actually, this is where we're having that discussion about like old school versus like new school, progressive, whatever. Having a syllabus and having a structure earlier in the journey is probably more important than anything. Yeah. Knowing that when I come on Monday, we're doing some close guard stuff. Yeah. And when we, you know, we're going to do some judo stuff on Thursday. And like, you just know what you're getting yourself in for. So you can focus on the thing. If you haven't got a better idea, 
But once you get a bit further down the journey, you're like, oh, well, actually, I've decided I don't want to do that. I want to focus on this. And taking that initiative, I think that's really good. But you have to go, well, if I'm not going to do what coach says, you need to consult with somebody. You need some help. And so I, when it comes to this idea of learning a language, if you've got a partner who speaks a language, then you can kind of factor in daily talking of that language also so you know when your partner is cursing you out over the phone to your in-laws. Ah, uh, yes. Always good. Good to know Polish curse words. <laughs> <laughs> Kurva. So, what does that mean? Uh, that's the F-bomb. F- <laughs> <laughs> it can be said in a lot of ways. That's Kurva. The- <laughs> I don't think we're going to get censored for that. <laughs> Shout out to our Polish listeners. You need to establish an ongoing dialogue with somebody a coach a training partner a way for you to be able to yourself even you're saying like with the note taking would that be yeah potentially yeah because it's a way for it to get it out of your head and organize it on the page yeah and you may have found this like even though you might be good at talking you go to write a speech or write a an essay or a, a letter and you're like oh crap i've got to organize my thinking differently it actually catalyzes the way you organize your thoughts in a certain way which is beneficial so the, the act of writing something down is very powerful for memory. And that's really what we're talking about here. You can go to a billion classes. It doesn't mean you're going to remember it. So I believe personally, if you pick a technique or a position or whatever it might be and, and write down in whatever format suits you notes, it'll be better for your attention. So tell me this, JT, you studied education? I did. So then for someone listening who is running an academy. Sure. It was like, oh, you know, I could I could do with a little bit more structure, perhaps to a, sure. a curriculum of sorts. Yeah, have you got any sort of advice on that, on how that could look? Definitely. Now, a lot of people have been talking a lot of different things about class structure <clears throat> and how the current system is not working and it needs to be changed. There's a lot of stuff around concepts and things like this. I personally believe more time has to be spent on a given thing, like dedicate the whole week or two weeks. Some, some gyms do a month on just controlling the back, attacking the back. Like we're just going to do this till everyone gets really proficient yeah. and then we move on. Now for some people that may be too boring and then that's, you know, you've got you to balance up that difference between optimum learning and also client retention, like not alienating people. Yeah. Ultimately, this is what I would say and this is what I, I used to do. I would tell everybody when we were warming up, we're doing a specific warm-up for the class we're going to do today – Crew, we are focusing on front headlock and this is what we're trying to do and this is what you want to get as an outcome and really have it in their head, right, this is my expectation today. This is, this is what I should be aiming for. And if you don't get it today, totally get it. It's the first time you've ever done it, it's not a problem. But you have to keep trying to achieve X. So then almost immediately, and this is something I, I would spend less time on drilling like so less time on warming up and and doing miscellaneous drills and getting the person almost immediately toward the thing at much lower controlled intensities and with a gradual ramp up towards ultimately doing specific training yeah right the person really fighting to get out of the position and the other person really attacking yeah and vice versa so and this is what i say about the primacy and recency thing i think a really good thing to do which is what something Lockie did at the end of his classes, he's doing a bit of like a kind of Q&A like, all right, we just did the class. Who had some problems or struggles? Because you often learn from, oh, I made that mistake, but I don't want to admit to it. 
Yeah. But someone else said Or I'm tired now and I can't be bothered. Yeah. Going to like find the answer to it. Yeah. Whereas when the coach asks, you're more likely to be like, oh, yeah, like I kept attacking that thing on JT and he kept getting out of it. Instant. Yeah. And everybody gets better. Like it's where the collective minds work. So I think two things you could change to improve people's learning in a class and their overall retention is discussing what the class is about and letting people know this is what we're going to do. And at the end, giving people an opportunity to say, hey, I struggled with that. I didn't understand that. And I think this circles back around to feedback and it circles back around to memory retention. Mm. You may not remember exactly how all the roles went, but you went, yeah, I remember that bit at the end. Or I remember at the start he said I needed to do that thing. And you just keep that. Yeah. And I think taking a bit more time and, and spending your focus on that will help. And ultimately I have a project that I am working on which will help people annotate their jujitsu. Oh, how dare you? Oh, anyway, it's down the track. It'll come. Awesome. We'll, we'll talk about it when it's ready. All right, epic. Cool. Thanks, bro. My guy. Cheers, fam. 